brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. As Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a sizable crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind man, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. On hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he kept calling out all the more, Son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, get up. Jesus is calling you. He threw aside his cloak, sprang up and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him in reply, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man replied to him, Master, I want to see. Jesus told him, Go your way. Your faith has saved you. Immediately he received his sight and followed him on the way. The Gospel of the Lord. One of the, the best parts of being a parish priest in my first assignment at Our Lady Lords in West Orange, not that you guys rank second, you're still my favorite, but when I was there and was a newly ordained priest, one of my favorite things to do was to go visit the parish school, especially the pre-kindergarten classes. You could never leave there without smiling. If you were having a bad day, like five minutes with them would just like completely snap you out of it. I'm not sure if the teachers felt that after eight hours a day with them. But for me, just going in there for five, ten minutes is all I needed. It was pure joy because they're so unfiltered. Like they just say whatever comes to mind and you never know what's going to come out. I still laugh thinking about one of the first times I went in there. This little guy I had met one time before comes running up to me. He's like, hello, Mr. Father Jim. Like, you're like, okay. (laughs) Didn't get the whole thing, but good. Okay. Anyway. One activity that they would do every year, though, was to answer the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you'd see all kinds of artwork on the walls of their classroom with all kinds of different pictures that they'd create. There were the ones that you'd expect, like doctor or astronaut. Every once in a while, it'd be something utterly unique, like toothpaste inventor. I'm like, I don't know what's going on in that kid's home or in that little mind. But anyway, it was just so awesome, though, because you got these earliest ideas of their futures and potentials. How at such a young age, they're already starting to dream like what their lives might be or could be. But somewhere along the way, there is a shift, though, isn't there? Like we go from asking, what do you want to be when you grow up to careful what you wish for? That activity over time evolves and twists into something that's almost depressing, where it's being categorized as as advice or giving you the real deal and being honest. So you'll see a blog post like what it's really like to be a doctor. And they explain the financial 
the political, the administrative woes that a young doctor never imagined. You really want to depress a kid, tell them what the odds are of becoming an astronaut. I checked it out. Google. That will deflate that for you. In 2017, 18,300 people applied to NASA. Of that, only 14 were picked, meaning you have a 0.08% chance. And as for the kid with the toothpaste, <laughs> I wouldn't want to go against the, the Crest and Colgate toothpaste mafias, you know? Like, I don't know what's going on there. Be careful what you wish for. A psychologist recently wrote about all this whole experience saying, as a therapist who spent a lot of time working with, with disillusioned and distressed and disappointed adults, I can't help but seeing the other side of, of this well-intentioned thought exercise where preschoolers visualize what they want to be, what they wish for. And she was arguing that it sets a tone for a life spent wishing and wanting. And the more we want the more dissatisfied and unhappy we tend to be. That we might not get what we're searching for. Or that getting it, it doesn't meet or live up to our expectations. Or that it opens the door for even more extravagant desires that we're relentlessly pursuing and going after. And she argues that in the process, we end up not being thankful and joyful in the present moment. And I can appreciate some of those, those concerns. There's a, definitely some legitimate food for thought in there. But I was wondering if that's also somehow affected people's faith lives as well. Where people will say from, from time to time, be careful what you pray for. What exactly do people mean when they say that? That thought came to mind with this gospel story. This is probably my, my favorite of all of Jesus' healing stories. I, I just love the whole scene. You have Bartimaeus uh, on the side of the road. He's been there for a long time. His life has been defined as that of a blind beggar. People know him by name. They know who he is. And more than likely, they found him to be very annoying by now. You get that sense by the reaction that Bartimaeus gets from the crowd. He hears Jesus is walking by, and they're thinking, it's bad enough he annoys us all the time. But here's Jesus of Nazareth, who's already drawing this crowd because of his teaching and his preaching and because of his miracles. So they're thinking, he doesn't deserve to be bothered by this guy. So we heard it right in the gospel that they try to shut him up. But Bartimaeus doesn't shut up. He doesn't give up, crying, praying, Son of David, have pity on me. And Jesus calls him forward. And Bartimaeus leaps up and he comes to him. And Jesus asks him the question that I just love. What do you want me to do for you? And I love it because one of the first times I remember praying with it, I remember laughing to myself and going, like, well, that's a stupid question. And how often do you ever say that about something Jesus says? But I'm like... I'm like, hello, he's blind. What do you think he wants you to do for him? I mean, you know, it's pretty obvious. Be careful what you pray for, Bartimaeus. Because actually, it's not a stupid question. And the more I sat with it, the more I thought about that. Like, hmm, it could have been very possible that Bartimaeus could have said to Jesus, did you see how all those people have been treating me? That they don't even acknowledge me, that they ignore me? Jesus smite them. Or, 
Jesus, can you get me a, a better mat to sit on? Or a bigger container that I can collect my alms in as I, as I beg? There are countless things that Bartimaeus could have asked that would have very much kept his wishes and his wants in check. That would have kept him very much rooted in his reality, connected to the life he was living. It was a limited and it was a diminished life, but it would manage his expectations lest he set himself up to being dissatisfied or unhappy. But as blind as Bartimaeus is, he sees Jesus, God himself. And he sees that God sees him, that he does love him, does care for him, does desire his wholeness, his fullness of life, both here and now and for all eternity. And with Bartimaeus seeing all that, he utters a prayer from, from the depths of his being, something that he's longed for, something that has left him hopeless in finding relief, something that will absolutely, radically, irrevocably change his entire existence. Master, I want to see. And with that, his sight is restored. Bartimaeus' life will never be the same. God worked in a particular way that transforms this previously blind man into one that would be a witness to the wonders that God does for over 2,000 years. What this tells us is that, no, we don't have to be careful for what we pray for. But we do have to think bigger and deeper about prayer as a whole. And because in my own experience, I find myself failing or falling into some limitations in my own prayer life. It's either I, I get too immature in my, my thoughts and my intentions, or I'm not trusting enough in my intentions. Well, what do I mean? Well, being immature is when I start to resort to God like a genie in a lamp. God, I'm running late. Please clear up this traffic and help me find a parking space. Really, seriously. Yes, God does want to be part of my day-to-day. He wants all the things of my, my life to be a part of him. Um, but he sure as heck wasn't when I crammed just a few more things into my busy schedule. And I didn't check the traffic. And he certainly wasn't there when I was cutting off a whole bunch of people on Route 3. That led to my being late. Or the guy I just cursed for taking my parking spot. So now, now that I'm in a hurry, now that I'm impatient... I cry out to the creator of the universe to move the cosmos, to clear out the traffic and create a parking spot for me. It's understandable and God is patient and loving with me, but in all honesty, it's also incredibly immature. But the other failure is is a little harder to confess. I'm not as trusting in my prayer. I don't pray expecting a miracle. I hedge my bets on thy will be done. Yes, Jesus tells us in his quintessential prayer for us to desire that God's will will be done. But Jesus wants us to do that coming from a a perspective of deep love and trust. Knowing that deep within his heart, 
He ultimately only desires what's good and what's beautiful and that will have eternal consequences for us and for many others that we might not even begin to see how connected we are to right now. Yes, thy will be done, but we say that after we go to him with those, those deepest prayers and those, those longings of our hearts, with those, those real cries from deep within, the things that we believe limit us or diminish ourselves or our loved ones or, or the world around us. The reality is that so often I don't pray big prayers. Why don't I say, Lord, I really want this broken relationship to be made whole, heal it. Well, maybe because I realize Jesus is going to expect me to let go of something for that to happen, like some legitimate anger or some justified pain in order for that miracle to occur. Or why don't I pray, Lord, I want this friend or family member to really have a, a true deep conversion that they will really know and love you. Well, maybe because I'm afraid he might ask me to be a better witness and a better example to them. Or why aren't I bold enough to pray, we need a miracle. Please heal my friend's cancer. Maybe because I know that I still hold on to deep fears about sickness and about death. And I recognize there are areas of my faith that maybe I'm not as trusting or as confident or as certain as I think I should be. It's a bigger risk to pray bigger prayers. And that's where the psychologist's warning rings in my mind and that idea that we've taken that to heart in our prayer. Like, lest we believe God will let us down when things don't go the way we wish for or hope for or expect. But then I think about it a little bit more, and that's, that's me becoming selfish and self-focused again. And if I can own that, and I can be honest with that, Jesus can work even with that. Bartimaeus' sight is restored because his inner sight was fully intact. He didn't have to be careful about what he prayed for. He was bold. He was trusting to truly accept whatever God's will was for him, and to be at peace. Maybe for me, it's that my inner sight is limited. Maybe that inner sight being limited obscures that bottomless reservoir, reservoir that is Jesus' mercy, that can't perceive the, the depths and the lengths that Jesus has already gone for us, that doesn't see how deeply Jesus really loves us. Maybe it's that inner sight that needs to be healed. But whatever it is, we're in a perfect spot being here right now. Bartimaeus tells us to cry out to Jesus in whatever it is is our desolation, to cry out to him in our hopelessness and in our fear and in our need. And the crowds that day join in telling us not to fear, not to be careful, not to be worried about what we pray for, but rather to take courage, to get up. Jesus is calling us. And praise God in this Eucharist, Jesus asks us, what do you want me to do for you? Do we dare to respond?